0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And, enjoy the and hello, America. Reference. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We're coming at you. We are... Uh Well within 60 days of the most important election of your life. They always say that, don't they? This is the most important election of your lifetime. And then it happens and sometimes the results are mixed and your life continues its fairly normal trajectory. Except this past few few cycles, you've probably lost your health insurance or seen your premiums go up. We're watching Obamacare circle the drain and at the same time we're also seeing a, a measure of uh support coming from the Chamber of Commerce here in Georgia that wants to expand Medicaid and uh use federal money to do it. They claim that that is somehow a conservative solution to use a federal government that's more than $19 trillion in debt with uh, increasing budget deficits now. The new one for this past fiscal year looks like it's climbed about $100 billion. It's going to be over $600 billion, which uh, would have been the highest of any of the deficits under the George W. Bush era. But Obama can claim he lowered the deficit a little bit because he raised it so much for the first part of his... Uh, it's a presidency. So it's interesting to think that you can, if you degrade something so much that even showing mild improvement means that your story and your narrative is now positive. So that's the the, the magic of numbers, folks. The magic of being able to manipulate the news media. We're seeing that all over the place. I uh, I got to tell you, folks, it's really frustrating to see this administration and all of its uh, uh, minions, if you will, that pled the fifth when asked direct questions by congressional oversight teams. Everybody from Lois Lerner in the IRS to the Hillary Clinton people that were part of our IT department, they're now pledding the fifth against self-incrimination. And it goes back to the old adage, if you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't have anything to hide, right? You probably, you've probably you probably heard that growing up. And a lot of folks will say, well, that's uh, the, you don't want to have that going on, Greg, because you don't want the government surveilling you, and that's fine. Of course, we don't want the government surveilling people without uh, due cause, and, and they certainly need to be given due process if something does happen, and no illegal searches and seizures, blah, blah, blah. But if you're a government employee, and you are actively trying to cover up either your or some kind of corruption for an official that you were working for, you shouldn't be allowed to plead the fifth. Some of these folks have been given immunity right now, where I'm reading about a couple of these IT people that deliberately deleted thousands and thousands of Hillary Clinton emails after they were already under subpoena. So that seems like it's direct and deliberate disobeying in order to turn everything over and what do we see oh that's just republicans engaging in some witch hunt who cares about hillary's emails it doesn't matter she's gonna be the first woman president and that's all that's important we don't need to worry about her abject corruption uh i've been reading some of this uh conspiracy talk too about her having a body double because of her past uh, few weeks of being ill. And we certainly don't want anybody to suffer bad health. I want everybody to get better. I want them to be 100% on the campaign trail so we can have a war of ideas, not a war of personalities and trying to tear other people down. But when you combine her her sickness, her malady, with her corruption and her cronyism, it's it's hard to – it takes away all of the credibility that, that she could ever have with a large swath of the population, even us deplorables. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a clever word for her to use there, deplorables. She um, was at a, a really highfalutin liberal fundraiser last Friday and called half of Donald Trump supporters deplorables and then threw out a bunch of terms like xenophobic, Islamophobic, blah, blah, blah. So I would re- counter her uh, assessment with, okay, you, you're going to call anybody that wants to talk about illegal immigration in an economic sense somehow xenophobic, or anybody that does think that there are some threats from the Middle East, all of a sudden they're now just Islamophobic, that you can generalize your description of people so much that you can cast half of them into a deplorable side of things that's racist and bigoted and Islamophobic and paranoid and think that your attitude is somehow going to be perceived as unifying. It certainly won't be, folks. We, uh, Obviously, the, the rhetoric is getting more heated. Um, Hillary Clinton's certainly been on TV a lot more than Trump, but uh, his fundraising has improved significantly, and we are seeing them... Uh, putting together a lot better responses the deplorable already has a commercial out and uh it looks like there's some packs um that are supporting the cause of freedom and we're going to see a lot more of that obviously within the next uh, week and a half the first debate is coming up on September 26th and that should be a really interesting one we'll get to see if Donald Trump can continue his uh his uh, resurgence, if you will, in uh, being able to stay on message and to be able to combat some of the attacks against him. Uh, we've seen a, a trend for the better uh, from the Republican side of things for the past couple of weeks. The post convention bounce, the Democrat convention bounce has all but disappeared and, uh, you know, these, this, this drip, drip, drip of information coming about, about Hillary Clinton is certainly damaging her campaign, but we still will need some kind of smoking gun in order to finally twist her ability to win the presidency. Is Donald Trump perfect? No. Were any of the other 16 candidates that the Republicans put up perfect? Of course not. Were the five or six that ran on the Democrat side perfect? Absolutely not. But in my opinion, a Donald Trump presidency would mean that the U.S. or the Republicans would certainly hold the House of Representatives and likely the U.S. Senate. And them holding the U.S. Senate, the odds of that have improved dramatically since uh, Marco Rubio in Florida and Rob Portman in Ohio have stretched out pretty big leads against their opponents. And before these races were considered very vulnerable seats for the Republicans to hold. Now the Republicans need to, um, I believe they have 54 uh, seats right now and they need to, they can only lose four or so to keep uh, control of it. It also depends a little bit on who the uh, who wins the presidency as far as the exact control. But you can pretty much kiss the uh, Senate seat in Illinois goodbye with Mark Kirk. And apparently the Wisconsin seat with Ron Johnson as a Republican there. That one ain't going to be held either. So there's two losses right there. And then we got we got a lot up for grabs in other liberal states. Republicans have to actually defend 24. And the Democrats only 10. So just the sheer numbers of Republicans having to defend so many seats, which were won in 2010 with the uh, the wave election, that makes holding the Senate a difficult chore, to say the least. And if I'm Mark Kirk or Ron Johnson in Wisconsin or Illinois, I'm thinking, you know, I'm probably not going to get a whole lot of help from the RNC. I hope they deploy the resources in a... Uh, a strategic manner rather than just saying, well, we've got to protect every incumbent because there are some, some races that you just aren't going to be able to hold on to because the demographics don't favor you. And in presidential election years, obviously with much higher turnouts, and wh- one thing I saw last night on, uh, I believe it was Fox News or it could have been CNN, I kind of flipped back between the two, it's that interest in this election is higher than it was in 2012. So my predictions about much lower turnouts may not come true. Or it could just be the interest because you have somebody like Donald Trump who's been a celebrity for many years versus somebody that could be a historic president, the first female president, which would be great if it was Condi Rice. That would be a fine first female president. But our current choice would not be a very good president. Economically speaking, the economy is kind of wavering back and forth. The Federal Reserve is reticent to raise interest rates at this point. They keep on suggesting they will. Donald Trump has been on CNBC, which you would think would be his strong suit talking business. There's a couple of comments that he made that seemed that uh, they were a little uh, contradictory to each other. I'll let you guys research that a little bit. We'll also talk some about that with our, our guest who'll be calling in in a couple minutes. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel in the Army, Brad Carver, who's also the 11th District GOP chair here, as well as, uh, he's got a title with the Donald Trump campaign and has been traveling around to the, a lot of the, the grassroots groups. And, uh, you know, building momentum for the Trump train. There's, um, four somewhat newsworthy candidates this year. Obviously, Hillary Clinton on the Democrat side, Donald Trump Republican, Gary Johnson on the Libertarian side, and then Jill Stein on the commie pinko side. I mean, the Green Party side. And all, all of those are getting some traction. The big debate is whether Gary Johnson will actually make the debate stage. So that's, uh, that's gonna be interesting to follow. It looks like he was able to get on all 50 ballots, uh, in every state. Not 57 states, just 50 from what we know here. And so that's an, that's an achievement. I, I do think we need to have more options in parties because not the two parties, I love lots of parties. The two-party system is—we're is really seeing them not being able to distinguish themselves too much with a Donald Trump and a Hillary Clinton at the helm, because both of them have advocated for a little bit of protectionism. Um, some uh, discrepancy between Donald Trump wanting to scrap Obamacare completely or going all in on having a national health care. So we've got—we've got some policy issues that I think are really. I don't know. I think that's why we have a little bit of a disconnect in the parties right now. It's because, you know, the Republicans are supporting a huge infrastructure project called the Wall that would create lots of jobs. And the Democrats are against the Wall because they want to continue the unfettered access of second and third world uh, countries just pouring in here and eventually becoming voters. They like that. They've actually got another $19 million grant to register and uh, promote citizenship. Uh, the Obama administration has sent this out. And they do this because they think most of the immigrants are going to vote Democrat. That's something the Republicans really need to start fighting. This idea that every immigrant that comes here is automatically a Democrat. Republicans should just never, or should never, cede that. They should never give it up. Now, I get it. We, When we greet people, we have a job application form, and the Democrats have the free phones and the free food and the free housing. So that's going to be a natural uh, for somebody that's destitute to want to get that stuff. But if we can explain why the party of free stuff is not the party of freedom— I believe we can get an audience, and there's certainly folks that are, that are willing to at least learn about the values of limited government versus the value or the, the lack of value that big gov- government offers. And so that's, that's really where we have to do it, but we have to meet these folks. We need to be attending the immigration naturalization ceremonies and listening to people instead of talking to them and telling them what to do. That, that would be my solution. I've been to a couple of the uh, naturalization ceremonies. Um, there seemed to be great interest in becoming involved in politics. The, the, the many immigrants, the, the new U.S. citizens that I met were all interested. Oh, you're with the Republican party. I want to learn more about it. And I guarantee you, the Democrats probably had people there. The, the, we need to be going to these all across the country. And introducing people to our ideas of liberty and freedom and free markets and the ability for, uh, for people to really get an education here and climb up by their bootstraps for them to open up small businesses and for them to start families here and get a good education. We're going to go ahead and take our first break here. Brad Carver will be joining us on the other next list.
2: We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com This is America's Webradio.com, The best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And welcome back to Greg's this Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's web radio.com. Coming at you, we're less than two months away from the most important election of your lifetime. I don't care how old you are. This is the most important election. I'm kidding. They always say that, but uh, who knows? This one very well could be. The history will be judging that on us. Uh, I'm not sure if we can foreshadow it being the most important, but history will certainly let us know how important it was. The good news is we've got somebody that will be able to shed a lot of light on what's going on in the ground here in Georgia. One of my friends uh, that uh, I got to know was one of the very first people I met when I started getting involved in the uh, local Republican Party. It's a lieutenant colonel in the army and uh, 11th district chair for the republican party and also working uh directly with the donald trump campaign as a uh a, a certified surrogate if you will brad carver welcome back to Greg's. how are you today
3: i'm doing great greg glad to be here
1: hey uh, i i i know you have some official title with the uh, trump campaign i just can't recall so can you shed some light on that for us
3: Sure. I'm, I'm, uh, I am on the Grassroots Steering Committee, So, and my, my primary responsibility is uh, Metro Atlanta and North Georgia. Uh, Susie Voiles heads up uh, uh, Metro Atlanta, so we work a lot together. And then so basically from the southern uh, metro counties all the way up to North Georgia, that would be my territory. And, and then also uh, I'm a surrogate, a, a Donald Trump surrogate speaker, and so, in that role, I've been going around to uh, various county uh, GOP meetings and rallying the troops.
1: Yeah, well, it's been fun keeping uh, keeping track of you. So, tell us a little bit about uh, what kind of feedback you're getting. You, I know you were up in Cleveland with me, and uh, we realized pretty quickly that uh, that Donald Trump is the nominee. And we need to get behind him. And uh, you know, I, I think the polling shows that he's made a comeback. He's being resurgent in some of the battleground states. Georgia is—you um, know—always rumored to be in play. I, I tend to think we have a lot more Republicans, and that Donald Trump will be able to turn around some of the uh, the negatives that he did face early on. But what are you hearing? Are people rising to the occasion at some of the uh, the grassroots groups you've been visiting?
3: Yeah, and I'll just say this at the outset. I, I, I think the polls are definitely tightening uh, na- nationwide, as in as well as in all the battleground states. Every it, it, it seems that the national polling tightens first, and then you see the state by state battleground polling tighten uh, uh, as well. And I think that's a very good sign. And then certainly after this disastrous weekend. That Hillary Clinton just had. I'm anticipating. In fact, there was a poll that was released this morning that had uh, Donald Trump up four, four points across the country, and so I, I think uh, I think we're going to continue to see that uh, in in the the rest of this week. And so I think we're in really good shape now. To focus on Georgia, um, it, it is certainly a battleground state. It's a it's included in the real real clear politics. Uh, summary of states to look at, but I tend to agree with you, Greg. Uh, you know, we we certainly saw Michelle Nunn uh, ahead of David Perdue, and even Jason Carter ahead of uh, Governor Deal, and we all know how that turned out. Uh, no runoff, and both Governor Deal and uh, Senator Perdue uh, cruised to an easy victory. So I, I anticipate that uh, really that we're in a stronger position than even what the polls are saying. And I, I would tell all of your listeners to just keep in mind that uh, the the polls are are just polls and and they don't really reflect the voter intensity that you see on the Donald Trump side. Uh, I mean, look at his rallies that he has across the country. And uh, Hillary Clinton doesn't have ra- uh, rallies primarily because she can't get anybody to come to him. <laughs> and so you just don't see that voter intensity. And then there's a, a second factor too. it's 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 sort of the reverse. Bradley effect. It's that uh, some people uh, are reticent to admit to a a live pollster that they're actually voting for Donald Trump. Certainly not the people that are intensely supporting him, but some of the more moderate and independent voters who really just can't stomach Hillary Clinton are actually going to vote for Donald Trump, but they're really sort of scared to admit to a pollster that they're actually going to vote for him. And so I think that that isn't quite captured in the polling Mm. as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, me and you have been to some events and we're, you know, wearing some of the paraphernalia or Karen Nacuzzi for uh, Donald Trump. And you mentioned to me that part of it was to get some of these the more moderate people uh, comfortable with supporting Donald Trump publicly. And uh, I thought that was interesting that um, you know, we do have probably the the silent majority that is. But um, uh, you know, the past month Trump has made it much easier to support him. I mean, me and you both know he had a lot of uh, PR struggles uh, initially, and there were certain things that were going to be hard to say. I have heard that Hillary Clinton's polling ex- extremely well in certain districts, especially where uh, you and uh, Trey live over in uh, that part of Buckhead. That's you know she's polling you know sixty to forty over Trump. Now, hopefully, that'll turn around, but that's a danger, of course. So, um, you know, the grassroots folks it, it, when they're it, the enthusiasm for Trump—you've seen it. Can you describe how much better it is in the past month than what you've seen before? Or, uh, or
3: yeah, is I'd, I'd be happy to. In fact, <laughs> I've even, even even seen it really uh, during this sort of route tour that I've been on. <laughs> uh, initially, in, in my first few uh, uh, speeches uh, about a month ago, uh, there was still some never Trumpers. There, there was still some 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 open uh... criticism of him and 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 this past week when i was uh... down in spalding county and then in fayette county didn't get any uh... no opposition whatsoever and everybody seemed to be on board and and that was just uh, it made me feel really good i mean as you and i know when we left the national convention uh, donald trump was at seventy seven percent of republicans supporting him he's over eighty percent now and i think we're i think we're zeroing in on getting to that magic number of 90% support among Republicans, and I think if we get there, uh, I think we win this race. And I'll tell you, this is the fourth Good week for Donald Trump in a row. Knock on wood here, but he—he uh, he, he literally this is this is—he's continuing on a great path right now.
1: Yeah. What, can, what what's your outlook for the debates? I know that um, I, it, unfortunately or fortunately is the whatever your uh, stance is, the debates, in my opinion, have t- really taken on kind of undue influence in uh, people's mindsets. Uh, we saw Marco Rubio kind of uh, stumble against Chris Christie, and then in a couple other things where he tried to. Kind Kind of getting into the uh, into the dirt with Trump, it, it backfired on him, and the and the debates really killed Scott Walker's chances. Um, I, I see that a lot is on the line, and the first one's coming up September twenty sixth. So, what's your uh, crystal ball telling you about uh, w- the outlook for those?
3: Well, I, I, you're, you're exactly right, and, and I'll tell you this: I, I think by the time that first debate gets here, September twenty sixth. I think we're going to be in a dead tie with the rear clear politics average, if not having Donald Trump ticking ahead of Hillary. Um, and so at that point, I mean, it's a jump ball. I mean, it, it literally the, the the debates, as you just said, I think can determine this thing. And and the projections are right now we may have over a hundred million people uh, watch these debates. Uh, people are saying that it's going to be the most watched television event in the history of the United States, mm. uh, bigger than any Super Bowl, bigger than, way bigger than any presidential debate ever. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have the biggest audience ever watching these. And, and, you know, so there's a lot on the line. And I, I'll tell you, as, as we saw in the, in the primaries, even though Donald Trump wasn't trained as a debater, wasn't trained as a lawyer. Uh, he he did very well in those situations. I think he he shines in the limelight, and and so I I, I tell you, I think he's going to be uh, pretty formidable. I do think Hillary Clinton has a tremendous grasp of the issues, and so going into it, I think the expectations games are she she's very accomplished and and knows the issues uh, left and right, and so it's a, it's going to be a matter of uh, style. And, uh, but I tell you, I think, you know, I think Donald Trump usually rises to the occasion in these situations, and and I think he'll do very well.
1: Yeah. So her health concerns have come up uh, the past couple weeks, and for us as Republicans, we need to. To treat it gingerly, I mean, you don't want somebody uh, to, to fall ill, but it, it is a legitimate concern. I just am trying to figure out a way for us to, be, you know, be able to talk about it without sounding like we wish ill upon other people. So that, to me, that's a little bit averse. Now, for me, nobody, you know, nobody cares. Greg Williams isn't running for president. So if I say something offhand or jokingly, it's not, I'm not going to impact the race. But if some higher up people do, if some senators do, or if Donald Trump, Says something that comes across really bad. I think that could. I think the the downside risk, especially with the the women's vote, uh, is 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 very high. So I think that he, if I was his coach, I would be I would just continually to coach him on exactly how to approach that.
3: What well, and taking? I think that's exactly what he is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, he certainly has made her health. An issue in the past he's made an issue of her stamina just like he did with uh uh governor Jeb bush's stamina um i you know I, he he is not going down that path right now in light of this latest episode the the and this is air quotes here pneumonia uh unquote uh that is what the the latest uh word on the street is Um uh, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what the, what the truth is, but uh, that's what's being said right now. And I'll tell you this, Greg, I, you know, I, I was a little reticent when there was the first attacks on her health, um, but, but certainly with this latest issue, uh, with the diagnosis on Friday, with the fact that she's on antibiotics, and with her not coming forward with that information until she publicly stumbled and was caught on video it just, to me, it's the bigger issue is, once again, her honesty. And and so, you know, if she was an honest person, if, if people at all uh, thought she was honest, they, they may give her the benefit of the doubt on this. But yep. there's a lot of people that are very suspicious about what's going on, even with this health situation. Yep.
1: Well, both of them have extremely high negatives. And to me, um, Trump has a much better ability to, to combat those than Hillary does, because why? Because Hillary is vetted, as the Democrats love to, to, uh, uh, claim that she's the most vetted presidential candidate ever. She, I mean, she well, she is if she would actually release some of the documents that are under subpoena. But she has been in the public eye for many, many years as a politician, as the first lady, as a secretary of state. So I will, I will seed them that uh, ground that yes, we we do know a lot about Hillary Clinton. She has served in multiple roles. And her negatives are still that high. So for me, that's kind of a number that she's not really going to be able to improve on. But with Trump being somewhat of an unknown quantity, and really off to a shaky start, he has a much higher ceiling, I think, uh, to improve. But, but hey, let's take a break here. I've got uh, the 2.30 break that we've got to do. Wanted to get your opinion on that, is, and also talk a little bit about your uh, service in the Army, and uh, what's your opinion on and some of these folks that refuse to stand for the National Anthem. I'm sure that's a Nice hot-button issue. I can't wait to get your take on that. So if you can hold tight for a couple minutes, we'll be back with Brad Carver on Greg's List.
3: Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Passport Transport.
2: Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed
1: just for you. And welcome back to Greg's The Slide, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We're joined here by uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Carver, U.S. Army, also uh, very active in the Republican Party and been on the Trump train circuit, I would say, the uh, for the past uh, month at least. I was with Brad up in uh, Cleveland. We were delegates to the convention and were part of the uh, uh, the festivities, so to speak, up there. Uh, Brad, we were talking about the, um, the ability to combat some of the negatives, and my theory. Or, or thesis is uh, that Donald Trump has a much better chance now it, the question is will he but I think he has a much better chance to combat his negatives than Hillary Clinton does
3: I, I, I completely agree and, and what I was going to tell you is I think you're absolutely right you have to keep in mind that, that like you said Hillary's been on the public scene for many 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 years mm-hmm. she's been a public figure and her negatives are are, are baked in um, I mean, it's, uh, over seventy percent of the American people uh, think she's a liar, so they don't. They don't trust her, and so when you have an integrity issue like that, it's very hard to overcome. Donald Trump's negatives have more to do with his tone, with his. Uh, not being politically correct and maybe saying insensitive things that that trouble people <laughs> and the the truth is, and what we 're seeing with donald trump 's numbers improving is that that that, that people are they 're sort of seeing the kindler, gentler Donald Trump, and therefore the numbers go back up so in other words it 's easier to Improve on your negatives. If your negatives have to do with with misspeaking or or maybe changing your tone, right? And so, unfortunately for Hillary, uh, hers are integrity issues and. Those aren't going away. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, you know, yeah, how do you change that?
1: that well, that was—I uh, I posed that question earlier today. The antibiotics can cure antibiotics can cure pneumonia, but how do you cure being a pathological liar mired in corruption? Is penicillin going to fix that one? I don't think so. Uh, so, okay, Very good point. We just got a 15-year anniversary of 9/11, um, and I—I uh, I just I'm appalled by these. Uh, athletes, it's not just the football players, we've got soccer players doing it. We've got a lot of athlevists and athlete activists that, uh, you know, and it's fine that they want to, you know, use their First Amendment to protest something that they really haven't been able to uh, describe in any uh, real thing, just the fact that they, they think that this narrative is out there. But for them to to use the NFL as a platform is uh, it's bizarre to me, just because the NFL. Uh, that was one of the first sports that came back after the initial attacks. I mean, that and George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. That was, those were some of the symbols of the United States getting back on its feet. Uh, after losing nearly 3,000 lives to Islamic terrorists. And so, uh, you know, when I see these football players that are uh, refusing to stand, especially during, you know, September 11th festivals, it's uh, it's appalling to me. And for you as somebody that served in the military and and still is uh, serving as lieutenant colonel, I mean, what's your reaction to this?
3: Well, let me just say this, Greg, I'm I'm certainly not speaking on behalf of the United States Army. Right. I will just share my, my personal view. Uh, and, and and I'll certainly say this that that we we in the military our job is to protect this country and protect our uh, constitutional rights mm-hmm. and so certainly people have the constitutional rights to do offensive things uh, like you know burning the American flag right. like we saw when you and I were in Cleveland and uh, things like that and certainly uh, people have the constitutional right to to not participate in the uh, the pledge of the flag, or in the playing of our national anthem. Right. Now that being said, for me personally, I find it quite offensive, and I will tell you that is the virtual unanimous opinion of those of us that serve in the military uh, that we 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 hold our flag as sacred. It's something that we treat with the the greatest honor and respect. Uh, and, and to see, uh, these professional athletes do that, particularly, uh, on the weekend of September 11th, is very, it was, uh, very painful for me to see. And I remembered, like you, where we were 15 years ago. Right. And as I commented on, uh, this weekend, I was down at Fort Benning. We, uh, we, we soldiers got together and shared our experiences many of us deployed uh, to Iraq and Afghanistan uh, 15 years ago when that happened, and we we recounted our memories from that day and Mm -hmm. the weeks to follow, and you were exactly right, Greg. We had virtual, unanimous uh, support of everyone in the country. It wasn't a partisan issue and and one of the things i find most painful today is the divide that we have in the country one thing that we had on september 12th 2001 was unity and and our country truly needs to bring that back and so to see this division and to see the disrespect for our flag and all the people who have and died for it. No, it is. It's very painful for me to see.
1: Yeah, and it's one where, you know, of course, we don't want to be this, this society that just worships uh, military strength. We want to celebrate the fact that uh, having a strong military enables us to engage in uh, entertainment, which is uh, professional football and professional sports. That's a luxury that many other countries don't have. Where uh, if if their economy is not strong enough to support it, where you know you go to the uh, any country that has Sharia law in place, their entertainment options are are, are pretty shallow, aren't they? I mean, a lot of times music is banned, uh, females have to wear certain garb, sporting events everything. And so when we're comparing our cultures to other ones, I think we can point that sports is is a manifestation of our freedom. And for them to, uh, I guess, not appreciate it, and think that um, you know holding a stance as as they do without really saying okay this is actually what I'm going to do I'm just going to you know I, that's what I frustrates me is there's not a, a proactive side of it now so, uh, supposedly Colin Kaepernick's going to start donating some money and uh, Brandon Marshall's that he's going to meet with the mayor of Denver and stuff like that so maybe maybe this public shaming of them doing this and I think it is absolutely fair for us to be able to protest the protest right if it's fair for them to protest. Then it's absolutely fair for me to criticize their mechanism of protest because that's my right too, isn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah it, it most certainly is and I'll, I'll just tell you this and this to bring it back to Donald Trump for a second it's it, it, what what we need in this country is peace through strength. That's exactly what Ronald Reagan said. We are in a situation right now in 2016 which I tell you is almost on all fours where we were in 1980. And, and in 1980, we were, you know, the economy was in shambles, uh, we were weak, uh, we were getting kicked around in the world, the hostages were taken, uh, the, the Russians invaded Afghanistan, uh, we were just in a very low place, our military was underfunded, we didn't have enough spare parts, there weren't enough training dollars, and, and then Ronald Reagan came along, he rebuilt the military, he rebuilt our strength, and and then the economic prosperity followed, and was, was concurrent with that and I, I truly see that Donald Trump has that kind of an opportunity right now. To to both rebuild our military, mm-hmm. rebuild our strength in the world, and then to give us peace through strength. Well, if you have a strong military, the other can the other things can follow. And and to me, just like you said, we have the ability to enjoy the, the greatest culture in the world, including our professional sports. We're able to do that because of our military, and our military is 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 at a is at a weak point right now, and that needs to change.
1: Right. Well, and here's uh, a, a question. Um, so the economy, the uh, IRS just reported that we've had the highest income of tax receipts ever, two point nine nine trillion, something like that. We're still six hundred billion in the hole, but they said that corporate income taxes actually went down, collections anyway. Uh, isn't one of Donald Trump's main uh, focal points in his economic plan to lower the corporate income tax rate?
3: It is. And I'll tell you what, if he does it, we're going to see the, one of the biggest economic resurgences this country has ever seen. Exactly. That,
1: exactly. Uh, so,
3: that money's going to come flowing back into the United States. Right. And, and a perfect example is what we're seeing with Apple right now in Europe. I mean, it, to, to me. This is making the case for what Donald Trump's talking about. We have the highest corporate income tax rate in the world. 36
1: percent, my friends. <laughs> that's uh, it's absurd.
3: So, I, yeah. Greg, I, I see it as a huge opportunity. I, I do. I mean, I think if Donald Trump gets elected, we are going to see some wonderful things. And one of those things is starting with that money that's been sitting on the sidelines, being overseas, coming and flowing back to the United States to help with... Uh, uh, with with basically turning this economy around,
1: right? We have so much sitting on the sidelines, and why would you bring it back if it's coming back at a tax rate where the government gets more than a third of it to spend on uh, whatever boondoggles the Obama administration wishes to engage in? Um, and I guess, let, Brad, let's wrap up with this. So we've I'm going to have um, a guest on next week, and uh, he's going to be working with Congressman uh, Barry Loudermilk about uh, this fact that 22 veterans. Per day, are committing suicide, and um, I, I and I just I can't I can't put my mind around that that can be that many. That's more than six thousand a year, and uh, you know for us to think that we can resettle these third world countries here and not put money and resources and time and humans. Into stopping this scourge is, is uh, it's it's beyond me. It's it's really frustrating for, for me and uh, for you. I'd like to hear your opinion on that.
3: Well, and I'll tell you this: I I, I think the military has, has learned a lot. Uh, we certainly didn't have these kind of resources when when our Vietnam vets came home, um, and I think we learned a lot in in Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that we really, our military is stressed beyond belief right now, and so one of the reasons we're seeing this is because we we just have so many operations going on, and our resources are stretched so thin that as we again are able to. Uh, sufficiently fund the military. I think we're going to see that decline. But at the same time, uh, we also have to recognize that uh, these traumatic brain injuries (TBIs) and PTSD, post-traumatic uh, st- uh, stress, the, those those conditions are real. Mm-hmm. And we didn't people didn't know what they were in World War II and Korean War and Vietnam. But we know what they are today. And so I think that the military is doing a lot better job of recognizing, and identifying those. But at the same time, it's just it's a matter of resources. Right. So I agree with you. I, I hope we do see that uh, more resources devoted to that effort.
1: Yep. So Travis Ellis will be our guest next week. Brad Carver, thank you so much for calling in today. Enjoyed it and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Are you going to be out, uh, out and about this weekend?
3: Well, uh, I am actually going on Army active duty, going to be up at Fort Belvoir, uh, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., but, I'll, uh, but I, I think I'm going to be joining you the following week at uh, the BYRs because I'm actually going to be bringing the, the Donald Trump surrogate tour to the, the Buckhead Young Republicans.
1: Well, that's awesome because I know we're going to have a couple other folks from the, the Trump train there, and uh, we're going to make sure we keep George in the Republican column this November. Brad Carver, see you soon, and thank you for your service.
3: Thank you very much. Bye-bye, Greg. All right.
1: And we'll be back in a couple minutes to wrap up. We had a great interview, 30 minutes. We're going to digest a little bit of that. I think it was pretty self-explanatory for most listeners. You can tweet at me at Greg's List Live if you have any questions or comments. See you in a minute on Greg's List.
3: on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
3: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies rainbows and pixie dust i'm marita noon get the truth about energy on my show america's voice for energy only on america's web radio watchdog is a term given an organization like the united states justice foundation which since 1979 has been watching out and when necessary taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights usjf a non-profit organization is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you.
2: This is America's WebRadio.com the best in chat radio designed just for you
1: and welcome back to Greg's List live the home of serious journalism only on america's com. coming at you last week of summer pretty much a lot of people think september hits and oh man it's going to be cold pumpkin spice latte time you can mix your pumpkin spice latte with lots of stuff but don't do it with jack and coke please I would probably have to take that away from you at the old ball game if I saw you doing it. Uh, Wrapped up a a great interview there with Brad Carver who's been traveling the... uh State of Georgia lately for the Trump campaign. Uh, Georgia is going to be fairly competitive this year. Unlike the Senate race, the presidential race, you only need to win a plurality. They don't have runoffs for that. But uh, if Johnny Isakson does not get the 50% plus one, that could put us into a long runoff here with uh, a Democrat. I believe it's supposed to be nine weeks. And... Um, I don't know. You can look at that and say jobs created or you can look at it and say, "Wow, well, we certainly wouldn't want to risk control of the Senate um, uh, to a, a, to Democrat hands. Um, it's imperative that we get a Republican in there so we can actually repeal Obamacare. There is no fixing the Unaffordable Care Act. It has it failed in, in every way possible. It is manifested in much higher premiums and deductibles for the middle class and less choice. Every day we're seeing less and less choices. And this year, the early enrollment time is November 1st. So people will start trying to get enrolled right before the election. I think the Obama administration has done everything they can to avoid the premium increase letters to be sent out in time for the election. But, uh, folks, there, 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 there is no fixing that plan, the expansion of Medicaid will not work. There is no private sector expansion of Medicaid that works. In fact, if you do the math on it, which unfortunately math is anathema to uh, many of our policymakers, but all you do when you add m- millions of able-bodied people to the Medicaid rolls is you take away resources from the people that truly need it. There are Republican options out there. Dr. Tom Price, the congressman from the 6th District in Georgia, has had an option out there for many years. that involves tax credits and portability between employers and choices and, and coverage that can be sold across state lines and tort reform. Tort reform is one of the most important aspects of actual health care reform. Loser pays. That's what other states have adopted, like Texas, who have much bigger uh, migratory populations than Georgia, and they have better health care outcomes percentage-wise than Georgia does. So why would we, as Georgians, want to expand a program that is failing? And we need to let it fail. It needs to continue down its its spiral. It's circling the drain. And we don't need to throw it a life preserver. It needs to fail. We need people to to run for the hills away from it. Not put able-bodied single people on it on a program that doesn't help out educational outcomes. David, you've been listening to the uh, you have a couple of healthcare shows on here what if, uh, I haven't been able to listen to all of them, but have you heard anything new from, uh, we had Ralph Hudgens at uh, our meeting on uh, Saturday at the Fulton GOP, he was talking about um, you know, how bad of a policy it's been for Georgia, but uh, what's uh, Dr. Elaine and some of the the guests? The shows you have been talking about?
0: Well, everybody's pointing to the same thing is that uh, you're going to have to grow up and take care of yourself and that's uh, across the board no matter how much money you have uh, Obamacare has failed it's going to continue to fail and like you say go down the drain the exchanges have bowed out uh, but don't think for a second when uh, the insurance companies come out and say oh my god we lost 400 million we lost a billion you don't have to get out the violins for the insurance <laughs> companies they're they're making plenty of money and uh, I mean, they're, they can't. They don't have a big enough shovel to bring it in. <laughs> but with the, with that being said, uh, Obamacare, as such, and I, I have to disagree with Trump a little bit. It sounds all good and well to say I'm going to do away with it. Well, it's got enough foothold that it can't be instantly done away with. Right. It's going to have to be. Things are going to have to change and. And insurance—you're too young to remember—but insurance is meant for catastrophic occasions, not for colds, not for filling your prescriptions. Now, with that being said, you got to get the pharmaceuticals back in line. They can't charge seven hundred dollars for a damn pill,
1: for the, or for the, yeah. EpiPen.
0: Or the EpiPen. Oh my God! You know, so <laughs> there, there, there's a hell of a lot of work out there that has to be done. And it's, it's not a two-way street. It's a three-way street. Um, the doctors have to get their heads out, and they have to become cash doctors. Right. They have to, to be for, for
1: fee and not yeah. have to deal with the insurance companies. Because right now, Dave, if me or you go and we get a quote for an MRI, one of the questions that the lab is going to say, are you paying for it cash or insurance? And I guarantee you. The, the cash is probably 75% cheaper oh, yeah. than through insurance. But it's for the same damn procedure. Well, so that's you know, part of the absurdity, isn't it?
0: Part of the absurdity <clears throat> is I, I had a procedure done uh, a month ago, and I called the doctor's office over, and they do this procedure, good God, 30 people a day, 40 people a day, uh-huh. you know? And they couldn't give me a price? <laughs> Hello? You do this thirty times a day. Let's see if, if my math is right, that's hundred and fifty times a week, approximately.
1: Yes, yeah, six hundred times a month.
0: You can't <laughs> give me a price.
1: But I, I guess they probably had to see how much you could pay instead of how much you would
0: pay, right? You know, it, it's it, it, it all. The American people can't be whiny cry little babies. They got to get used to. It needs to go back to the old right. system. You got a cold. Have to screw it! That's the insurance. You go. You go to no, the, the doctor. doctor. You pay him it's like you're,
1: it's it's the whole analogy of the the car mechanic, right? Yeah. The car mechanic doesn't. You, you don't. You don't ask for insurance when you need to get your tires replaced or your windshield or anything like that. You ask for insurance to step in when it's been totaled or something. You know, the catastrophic. catastrophic happens to it. Uh, and and I and I do think I mean I my insurance which was actually um, eliminated due to Obamacare was just a major medical insurance with Blue Cross Blue Shield that was deemed because I I wasn't to able to cover myself if I got knocked up uh, it was deemed that I didn't have enough coverage so I my premium went up about three hundred dollars per month. To get similar coverage that Blue Cross Blue Shield had gotten, the gold stamp of approval from um, you know Health and Human Services, Kathleen Sebelius, who I can't wait until a Republican gets to replace somebody there. You know, and that's another point too is you're right. We're not going repealing Obamacare would be a multi year process, and I do think we need to have some protections there where people who have pre existing conditions can get coverage. In fact, I think that was one of the most admirable parts of it, but that was kind of the carrot that they held out for people to uh, to support it on a populist level. And for the insurance companies, Obamacare said, well, we're going to put in these penalties that means everybody's going to buy insurance, but not when it's so expensive that it's cheaper to just pay the cash payment, or to do medical tourism and go uh, to another country where the doctors are, are, are capable.
0: Well, you can do it in the United States now. You can go to the uh, surgery center, a uh, uh, surgical... Oklahoma Surgical Center.
1: Yeah, we talked about that before, haven't we? And,
0: oh yeah. And you know, <coughs> this is this is the it, it comes down to the people that have to grow up. Now, with that being said, my father used to have a saying you can't legislate equality and you can't. You can't make the government <coughs> make everybody do something. Mandate. You right. can't pull. you let the free market dictate. You let the free market become a well and live again in the United States. They will control the doctors. They will control the pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. You'll open the market. It's, it's like the EPA, and this is one one thing I totally support uh, Trump on. Yeah, you know, These restrictions on farmers, on oil producers, on coal miners from the EPA are absolutely ludicrous. We open the door to our natural resources, that takes care of insurance, that takes care of many, many, many problems, and we become great again, we become independent, and that's what we need to be. I was listening to, uh, I can't recall who it was this morning. No, I do. Larry Gatlin, as a matter of fact. And he made the point, I'm not apologizing to you or to anybody else when I say... I want America to be number one. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I don't give a damn about Mexico or Germany or Canada when it comes to, to making a deal. It's America. Right. It's the United States. We're number one. Right.
1: And we have the natural resources here where we could be if the government would stick its nose out of the business. They subsidize failure in many cases, or they subsidize whatever their agenda is. Uh, I do corn. think I think there, yeah, eth- corn for ethanol instead of tortilla chips, my friends. That to me is one of the biggest travesties like around. Have
0: so much natural gas As- off the off the corn <laughs> chips. That
1: kind of, you know. <laughs> I was about to say though, when they're, you know, when uh, solar does have a future, solar can actually be economically viable much quicker than wind power. But who gets these subsidies? The Warren Buffets of the world, the ones that have the money to build an infrastructure and then literally make it viable because of taxpayer subsidies not because it's actually an efficient source of energy. Wanted to thank you guys for listening today. Wanted to thank uh Lieutenant Colonel I keeps on getting promoted it seems like. But uh Brad Carver for uh talking about the Trump train and some strategies that uh that we should have and also some outlook on um on this national anthem controversy that uh some call a freedom of speech, and they cheer it, and some people say, I should be able to protest the protest. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greg's List.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.